millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, August 25th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as weakened tropical depression Marco drifts west, attention turns to Hurricane Laura as it enters the Gulf of Mexico. Then the GOP kicked off its convention last night. We talked to local delegates on the messages the party is sending as it renominates President Trump. Plus, legislators near the end of the month's long DMR budget battle. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Gulf Coast cities are facing flash floods, storm surges, and strong winds as Tropical Storm Marco moves west. But the looming threat of Hurricane Laura in the southern Gulf is adding another layer of concern and preparation for Mississippi residents. Laura strengthened to hurricane status earlier this morning, reaching maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour. Forecasters predict Laura could become a Category 3 storm before its anticipated landfall in southwest Louisiana. Louisiana later this week. Governor Tate Reeves wants all Mississippi residents to consider the threats Laura could bring to the state. We also have to understand that sometime in the next 48 hours, we expect Laura to come ashore. Uh, Laura right now is, is anticipated to uh, make landfall somewhere around the Louisiana-Texas border. Uh, but the interesting thing about um, these two storms is while Marco is expected to take a fairly quick and rapid left turn, if you will, to the west right before it makes landfall, uh, Laura actually later in the week is expected to hit landfall uh, and then shed uh, and then take a fairly quick right turn. So we could be looking at significant amounts of rain uh, fall not only early on in the coastal area of um, over the next few days, but also it's very possible that the northwest quadrant of the state of Mississippi could get significant rainfall um, sometime in the middle to the latter part of this week. As the storm approaches, congregate sheltering becomes another challenge as the state continues to fight community transmission of the coronavirus. MEMA Director Greg Michelle wants coastal residents to know shelters will be available to those in need. 
shelters will be open if they are needed in the affected counties. COVID will not prevent us from opening shelters, but it's important to continue to reemphasize uh, congruent shelters do place individuals more at risk during this COVID environment, but they will be open. And yes, we do have enough shelters should the need arise. We are just simply stating that if you have other means and other places to go to, please use that as your first uh, option. Uh, you need to plan now for a place to go if you have to evacuate and how you are going to get there. And if you do evacuate, make sure that you alert your loved ones or family members or friends as to where you're going uh, in the event that something does happen. We'll make sure that you're monitored. Reminder to check your emergency supply kits. PP is going to be critical. Jackson, Harrison, and Hancock counties have prepared shelters in case they're needed, but emergency officials are concerned about coronavirus transmission. Earl Etheridge, Director of Emergency Services in Jackson County, says residents should prioritize evacuations over shelters if possible. He tells our Kobe Vance the storm surge associated with hurricanes pose the most immediate threat. On the coastline here, the storm surge, uh, obviously it's, it's moving water which has a lot of force, can shove vehicles off the roadway, knock you off your feet. You could do property damage. Uh, We'll have flooded roadways. If you have a boat that's in the water and it's tied up at a dock somewhere, it could cause that boat to float, damage the boat, damage the dock, break loose, damage structures on the shore. Uh, There's several different things that happen with storm surges. And as far as shelters go down there, um, are you all opening up more shelters to try to accommodate for the limited capacities? All right, for uh, Marco, we opened up no shelters for it. Uh, We're going to have to evaluate just how strong uh, Tropical Storm Laura is. There's some predictions out there that she'll make a Category 2 somewhere around 110, up to maybe 112, 115 miles an hour. How big that storm will be, like I said, how close to Jackson County it comes. Uh, We have three shelters here within our county. We don't recommend people shelter in Jackson County because the whole county being here on the coast, we'd rather see people leave to go to a safe haven somewhere else, friends, neighbors, somewhere inland and get away from Jackson County. Are you concerned about people who uh, just maybe don't have a friend or family up up north to go to, or they just uh, or can't afford to get out get out of town that long? Well, that's uh, we have the, that's why we have the three shelters for those. But if you do have the means to get out, you need to get out and get away. Uh, obviously, under the the COVID, uh, we we do have the concerns with people. Our shelters are stocked with masks uh, and hand sanitizers. But if push comes to shove, to, if it versus the chance of getting COVID or putting somebody into a shelter to save their lives, we're going to put them in a shelter. And so uh, when it comes, you mentioned Laura is possibly going to be reaching a Category 2. Um, can you talk more on that and your concerns there? Well, obviously, the stronger the storm is, that's the more uh, wind speed you'll have, the more storm surge you could have, uh, the more tropical storm force winds, the larger field of uh, tropical storm force winds but with laura as the storms typically get bigger uh, they can hold their own against shear and that makes for a problem with just how big the storm's going to get and how big an area is going to be impacted and so what would you uh, if you if you meet somebody who's new to the area who maybe moved down from up north who has not had experience what would you tell them when it comes to preparing for either a hurricane or a tropical storm well, we do recommend, like I said, that everybody evacuate. We'd recommend nobody stay. Shelters are very uncomfortable. 
another thing that we do is if you do stay, you know, about securing your property, securing stuff on the outside of your house, uh, making sure that you have a plan, make sure you have contact information for where all your family and your, and, and your friends are going to be that stay with you so that if something happens, everybody can get together and uh, shelter together or, or get out together. Make sure that you have your food, your medicine, uh, and water and stuff to keep yourself self-supplied for at least 72 hours. And above all, that we tell everybody to pay attention to the weather bulletins that come out because that's where most of your information is going to come from. Earl Etheridge is the Director of Emergency Services in Jackson County. Coming up, the GOP kicked off its convention last night. We talked to local delegates on the message the party is sending as it renominates President Trump. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A small team of Mississippi Republican delegates is in Charlotte, North Carolina, for the party's national convention. The four-day event began yesterday and continues through Thursday. State Party Chair Lucian Smith is there and says most of the events are virtual because of the coronavirus pandemic. He tells our Desiree Frazier shifting to a virtual convention is a challenge, but says the party still has a clear message for voters. I'll say I, my, my thoughts go out to anybody who has to plan a convention uh, of any party in this environment. It's very difficult. Um, you know, we at the state level held our state convention uh, virtually, and it, it, that is a huge challenge. And the, the logistical challenges and business that's done at a national convention are an order of magnitude greater. Um, so I, I think logistically uh, this has been quite the challenge, but Chairman McDaniel and, and her team have done a great job. Uh, all of us took uh, home COVID tests before we came and had to get negative results. We were tested again as we got here, um, uh, and, and we'll check in each day to make sure that this is done in a healthy way. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, the country is facing a crisis right now. We, we have seen, we were uh, just uh, over six months ago in a period of tremendous economic expansion, uh, and in large part because of this pandemic, uh, we are we're not uh, in that anymore. We have some real economic headwinds that we're facing, and so I think the message that people will hear from uh, the Republicans is why the Republican Party uh, is the right party to lead the country out of uh, the economic crisis that we're facing right now. Why we're the right party to deal with uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, and I, I think if if we frame the election up as an election about issues. Uh, Republicans will win uh, because when when the race, uh, when any race is about policy, uh, Republicans have an inherent advantage. And talking about the pandemic, the economy, housing, unemployment, all of that that has uh, been exacerbated by the coronavirus, the president, because he is the president, um, there's criticism about how he has handled this. Um, his ability to lead. What do you want to hear from him that would instill confidence in those who question his ability? 
Well, I, I think the president has dealt with a, a very difficult situation, and I appreciate both that uh, President Trump and, and Governor Reeves have attempted to thread the needle uh, and recognize that we have to take serious measures for public health, uh, but we also have to be mindful of the fact that every time we close down small businesses, that has a tremendous economic uh, consequence on the people who own them and work there, uh, and that really every business uh, is essential to the people who uh, who work there, who own it, uh, who depend on it. Uh, and I think a message from the president that um, that that gives confidence uh, that we're going to get out of this, uh, that there's going to be a steady hand. Uh, helping us uh, manage the the crisis both on the public health but also on the economic front. Um, And I think, you know, the president has a good record to point to, especially on the economic side. Uh, And I think the message you'll hear from Republicans between now and November is that the president, uh, during the first three years of his presidency, oversaw one of the largest economic expansions in American history, Uh, whereas the the Obama-Biden administration presided over one of the slowest economic recoveries uh, in American history. And so I think that'll be uh, one of the real questions uh, that, that I hope uh, will be framed up through this convention is who do you trust to help get America back on its feet economically? The folks who presided over this uh, large expansion over the course of the last three years uh, or, or the folks who, uh, who taxed and regulated uh, the economy into one of the slowest uh, recoveries uh, of uh, of American history. And I, I think uh, the facts certainly point to that, and I think that's our challenge as a party, to make sure that the election's framed up as one about uh, policy uh, and trust on economic issues. Do you think we'll see improvements in access to health care? I, I certainly think we will, and I, I think the Republican-led legislature uh, has already taken steps to make sure uh, hospitals have some of what they need through allocating the CARES Act funds. Um, but, but yes, I, I think the more we grow our economy, the better access there will be to health care for everybody. Lucian Smith, <laughs> chair of the State Republican Party, we appreciate your time in speaking with us. Absolutely. Thanks, Desiree. Donald Trump and Republicans are focusing on the pre-pandemic economy as an example of policy success. But over 10 percent of Americans are still unemployed, despite the recent surge on Wall Street. Pete Perry is one of the is one of the Mississippi's Republican delegates. He says the economy needs real stimulus, but disagrees with the House's three trillion dollar plan. On the economy, you know, I don't know that the national level you can say, well, we're going to shut it down nationwide or we're going to open it up nationwide. There again, it's a state-by-state and a local type of issue. I think we're dealing with something that is not unknown, I guess, 100 years ago we knew it, but it's new new territory, new ground that we're plowing, and we had to plow with whatever it is we have in the best time we have. But, you know, I don't think we need to pass a $3 trillion dollar stimulus bill that bails out the Illinois pension plan just over the last 20 years, they've spent their money stupidly. I started to say unwisely, but let's go ahead and say it. I think that they need to put some reality into what we're doing with what is actual stimulus and can't help the economy versus let's just throw money at the wall and see what sticks. There are criticisms and distrust uh, about... Um, by the American people, about political leaders. Is there a need for the party to deal with that perception at this convention? There's no need to deal with it because the people who believe it 
are not going to change. The people that listen to NPR every Sunday like I do, that hear five straight hours of condemning everything the man does, are not going to change their mind. They're not going to change their mind. People on the other side who believe everything he says are not going to change their mind. This country is so set in that state right now, he can't go up there. Another party can. If you think Trump is a liar and you think Trump is crooked, I just say nothing can be said that's going to change those people's mind. And so looking at the upcoming convention, what is your hope that you have for the Republican Party to bring forth to the American people the theme, the um, the message? I hope it's uplifting. I hope it's positive. I realize, you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, in 1968, my daddy went out and bought a color TV. We had a little small black and white. And in 68, he bought a color TV to watch the conventions. And he wasn't a real political person, but he bought a color TV to watch the conventions. And conventions then mattered. And conventions for years have mattered. Conventions don't matter right now. They're all made for TV. And the people who want to watch them and believe everything that's said, everything Joe Biden said, everything Joe Biden said, everything Michelle Obama said, everything Bill Clinton said, they're going to believe it. And they're fine and they're happy and whatever. Something's going to happen to the Republican convention. You know, people either, people who watch it are going to either be exalted or exasperated. And it's the reverse of the ones that watch the other convention. Pete Perry is one of Mississippi's Republican delegates. There are 40 Republican delegates from the state, six of whom are in Charlotte for the nomination of Donald Trump. Governor Tate Reeves chairs the Mississippi delegation. Coming up, legislators near the end of the months-long DMR budget battle. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi lawmakers are reaching a compromise on a budget for a state agency that's been without funding for nearly two months. The legislature failed to pass a budget for the Department of Marine Resources in June and again earlier this month when they briefly returned to address the governor's education veto. The delay is the product of a divide between the House and Senate over who should have authority to spend funds the state receives from oil and natural gas leases known in legislative circles as Gomesa funds. House Republican Charles Busby is from Pascagoula. He tells our Desiree Fraser he's pleased both chambers and the governor's office were able to reach a compromise. I want to really thank Representative Casey Yur from Harrison County and the governor's office for working hard on, on reaching a compromise on the Gomesa funds that would allow us to, to fund DMR, uh, get rid of the furloughs. We're going to take care of all of those folks that were furloughed uh, we're going to get their back pay uh, reinstated, and uh, I'm happy to have that done. Do you know how many people were furloughed? No, I do not know the, the number that were furloughed, but one is too many. Can you say how you feel about the agreement? Does it foster what you want? I, I think it. 
I don't think it makes anybody completely happy. Uh, so that probably means it's pretty good. I think it, it satisfies the governor's office for the time being and satisfies the House of Representatives for the time being. And we can get this done and come back uh, spending the next few months in educating the Coast Delegation more and more about, about Go Mesa funding and how it should be utilized. And then hopefully we can reach agreement and come back and have something in January that we can live with long term. So this is like a stopgap budget to get through the end of the year, the rest of the year. Uh, it's not a stopgap budget, but as it relates to the Go Mesa funds, it is a stopgap measure, yes. Do you know how much those funds are, the Go Mesa funds? There's $20 million unspent Go Mesa funds after spending $26 million on the ongoing projects so that they would not have to be stopped. And can you give folks an idea of what type of projects, one or two, what that would entail? What type of projects does it fund? Uh, the, by federal law, the money has to be spent on the three coastal counties, uh, on environmental protection-type projects such as shoreline stabilization, flood improvements, things like that. Do you think the governor should have the final say on authorizing the funds along with the agencies involved, like... Um, the Department of Marine Resources and the Department of Environmental Quality, or do you think the legislature should have some authorization over the money? I believe that the legislature should have the opportunity to appropriate these funds, but the the project still needs to be vetted by DEQ and DMR to assure that they meet the federal guidelines for spending of GovMesa funds. Representative, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you. Representative Charles Busby of Pascagoula with our Desiree Frazier. While members of the House look to seek more spending authority over Gomesa funds, Senate Republicans like Bryce Wiggins, also of Pascagoula, see no issue allowing the governor to retain those powers with proper oversight. He says it's good the compromise comes at a time when coastal officials are preparing for Hurricane Laura. Certainly, I'm glad that we've uh, come to a resolution, <laughs> excuse me, and uh, certainly with the potential for a hurricane brewing out in the Gulf, um, the workers at DMR uh, do a good job, and particularly uh, the law enforcement and the scientists. And so we wanted to uh, make sure that, that things were in place uh, sooner rather than later. So, um, but this is uh, an important issue, the Go Mesa, that is, and it sets a uh, precedent or certainly sets uh, uh, the table for uh, the future. And so those, those things are important and, um, you know, it's part of the process. Can you explain what that is? In short, it is uh, funds that come to the state of Mississippi uh, in the bottom three counties uh, from the federal government as a result of lease payments out in the Gulf of Mexico. And what was the sticking point? Um, You know, in short, uh, about accountability um, and really what that accountability looked like and whether the uh, legislature 
was doing a micromanaged DMR uh, in this area. And, uh, you know, DMR, like uh, pretty much every agency, is a governor's agency, is an executive branch agency. And so there has to be a, a flexibility within those things. And so that's where the sticking point uh, has been. And and also, this isn't we, – we are recognizing uh, we will come back in in January and um, continue the discussions, but uh, I truly believe that, that all the parties involved will have discussions between now and then to uh, get us to where we need to be. Where do you fall on it? Do you think uh, the governor should maintain authority over – it or the legislature? As I've always said, there needs to be accountability. And I have faith, having worked with Governor Reeves when he's been lieutenant governor, um, the reality is is that there needs to be certain ele- certain amount of oversight. Um, and I recognize that back when I my first term in the legislature, I sponsored and got past the uh, DMR Accountability and Transparency Act. And let me say that uh, with the passage of that and going forward, the DMR has, uh, has, is in a much better position than they were back then. And so this is a continuation of making sure we're doing right by the taxpayers. Senator Bryce Wiggins of Pascagoula. DMR operates on the Gulf Coast, regulating the seafood industry, protecting coastal habitat, and providing marine security. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.